Welcome to the Leader Growth Podcast. I'm David Skidmore. Hey, really excited today because we are going to get into a conversation that's going to matter to you. If you are a leader, this is at the heart of leadership. Before we get into that, though, if you haven't yet, go ahead, subscribe to this, whether you're checking it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, who knows, you might be on Stitcher, maybe you're checking it out at Transistor, or you might be at the Leader Growth website, leadergrowth.com. US. Thanks for joining us. And for those of you who are more interested in the visual podcast, thanks for joining us on YouTube today. We are talking about influence at the heart of leadership. John Maxwell would say leadership is influence. Nothing less, nothing more. That's my John Maxwell voice. Taylor, how'd I do? It's pretty solid. Decent. Okay. <laughs> We're going to give it like a C. C minus. Anyway, excited because today talking about influence is somebody who has carried a lot of influence in this state and beyond. Welcome to the Leader Growth Podcast, Ashley Robinson. Hi. <laughs> it's great to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. How is your, we are recording today on a Thursday. It's a little dreary outside. It's not too bad. How's your week going? It's going okay. Going okay. Been busy. Yeah. So Ashley, right now you're in school. Mm-hmm. You're doing some other uh, exciting thing. Today, you were a substitute teacher. Yeah, I kind of, I don't like wearing hats, actually, but mm -hmm. I do wear a lot of hats, quote unquote. Yes, that is uh, maybe an understatement. <laughs> maybe a few too many hats. You are uh, a former Miss Oklahoma, mm -hmm. America. Yes. There are two. There are two. There are two. Um, shout out West Lane, Lori Lane. Miss Oklahoma, USA, and also uh, a former guest on the podcast, good friend Kelly Masters. Kelly Masters, Miss Oklahoma. <laughs> love Kelly Masters. Um, love Lori Lane. Anyway, so what I want to do today is I want to talk around the idea of influence because one of the things that you have to do um, throughout your life to be able to do the things that you've done is carry and steward influence. Sometimes we have influence for a moment. Uh, one of the things that I, in our conversations we've talked about is that you have... Um, a focus, and I would even call it like a drive towards excellence that has um, elevated um, your influence to be able to impact more lives. So from the foundation, just talking about having an effect on other people's lives and influence, why is that important for you? I think that as a person of faith, mm -hmm. my purpose in so many different areas in life, um, I see as influence, if you mm, will. Yeah. I think that it's important that the people around me are influenced, not just to Christ. Yeah. Um, that sounds really pushy and really Oklahoma evangelical, but that's sure. not just what I mean. Um, but I think about the purposes that I see in my life about mm -hmm. my sister, Danielle, who has Down syndrome, mm. influencing others to accept her. Yeah, That is a huge part of my influence, but also um, influencing others to just open their minds to the people around them and be mm. a little more inclusive, not yeah. just to people like Danielle, but to people of all different types. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that my my faith is definitely something that motivates my drive toward influence. Yeah. Let, let's go back to the Miss America timeline. When you were first looking at it, what made what made you interested in jumping into the Miss Oklahoma competition? I... Grew up in church with a former Miss America, Jane Giroux. Okay, yeah. And <laughs> um, an I, absolute, one of the kindest people I've met. A gem. Yeah. A national treasure. <laughs> yes. I grew up around her, not not okay. with her, obviously, but around her. And I just loved how graceful and beautiful and mm -hmm. 
I don't know, ethereal she was. Yeah. And I had never considered doing pageants until I was in high school and a girl that I went to high school with started doing them. And she also was named Ashley and she was also half black and she was a dancer and I was a singer and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And she started doing them and I thought, man, I would love to do this too. Yeah. But my mom never let me <laughs> when I was in high school. She, oh, she never really? let me no, she never let me Why do not? she never let me do the teen competition because yeah. I was already doing so many things mm-hmm. and our family was really busy. There are four kids yeah. in my family. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't enough time in the day, either yeah. from my day or my mom's day, to be able to give my time towards something else. So when I got to college, the idea of doing that now that I was then going to be in the miss mm-hmm. category outside of the teen um, was something that I got to make the decision about. Okay. And I saw some of my friends from school winning scholarship money, advocating for causes, performing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, these are all things that I really love doing yeah. and that I feel like I could do really well. Why am I letting all of these other people mm-hmm. do those things without putting my own foot in the ring and my own voice for advocacy and my own scholarship dollars toward myself, like that sort of thing. Yeah. So I started competing and I did my university competition one time and got first runner up and won $14,000. That's a pretty good reason to do something. And I was... Especially in college. Especially in college. Yeah. At Oklahoma City University, mm-hmm. one of the most expensive universities in the state. Yes. And that just tiny taste of almost victory, I think, is what pushed me to the edge. Yeah. <laughs> when you say that tiny taste of almost victory, it, so is, is winning important for you? Mm, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that winning necessarily is the goal. Mm -hmm. I think that winning is definitely nice. (laughs) That's it. That's a really good attitude. (laughs) I would say that winning is the goal. Uh, But (laughs) that's also just my approach in life. Like I did a strengths finder. Have you done a strengths finder? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We we, we talked personality, which we are. I did the Gallup strengths finder. Yeah. Gallup strengths finder. Do you remember your top five? I'm not going to grill you or, Mm. you know quiz you off the top my number one was competition oh that's so funny which might not surprise you since we're both enneagram threes <laughs> but mine what not even five all it, of my five it doesn't show it up competition no it's like kindness empathy <laughs> positivity <laughs> <laughs> all the, the happy the, rainbow sunshine it's the things that actually help you win as opposed to no. just being very driven towards winning anyway. i've got to look them up and and send them to you because i yeah I remember they were not competition. One of them was an R. I think it was like resourcefulness or something like yeah. that. You got responsibility, restorative, some of those something things. Something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for for you, though, even if winning isn't the key factor, there is like a joy in that. There's a joy in achieving. But e- e- even more than, than that, there's also something that happens, um, I think, on the other side. Sometimes people just view... Um, winning as, you know, either it happened or it didn't happen, but something does happen when you win, when you succeed at something. And that is your level of influence went up. That and the validation. It's, it's Hmm. not joy from winning. It's validation because I get joy from the things that I do in competition, not Hmm. from just being validated. If that makes any sense, Mm -hmm. validation is nice and it is important when it comes to 
the things that you're passionate about, making yeah. sure that you're doing the right thing. Getting validated is important sometimes. But the point that I was at in life early on in competition, I probably was not the 25-year-old self-secure person I am now. And mm -hmm. or even the person I was when I competed at Miss America and didn't win. Mm -hmm. And I was able to say at Miss America, this is six of people, six people's opinions about a lifetime of advocacy, a lifetime of education, um, and an ask for endorsement. Mm -hmm. And whether or not those six people are able to see who I am, what I'm doing, and how mm -hmm. they should buy into it also has nothing to do with the joy that I find in doing all of those things. The validation comes from it, but not the joy. So there is the the validation. So that's that's very much the joy is in the journey. Yes, which sounds so tacky, but yes, it is. It is it, in the journey. It does, but it was also on the back of my t-shirt from uh, sophomore year of, of high school. It said that the joy is in the journey. Mm -hmm. The destination is the reward. I still don't know what the second half of it means, but I do know what, <laughs> what the first means, which is the joy is in the journey. It's in the process. Right. A lot of times we're we're just looking for the um for the aftermath. We're looking for the results. We're looking for what happens when we get to the other side. But the joy is actually in your process. When I was crowned Miss Oklahoma City, I sat down with my board of directors, which is just a group of people that help you during your mm -hmm. year to yeah. go compete at Miss Oklahoma or Miss America. And I looked them in the eye and I said, the minute I was crowned Miss Oklahoma City, I was crowned Miss Oklahoma. My work starts now, not after. And that's how I led my life from then on. I had been already volunteering and already advocating and already mm -hmm. fundraising. And I recognized that my influence started the moment I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And if I was going to be the person I needed to be to become Miss Oklahoma, I was going to start that moment. I wasn't going to wait until I showed up on stage and somebody handed me a crown and a bouquet mm -hmm. of flowers. Yeah. Okay. So with that, there are a lot of opportunities that are unlocked. You get to start saying yes to doing some really cool things. Mm -hmm. But the other side is you have to start saying no mm -hmm. to a lot of things. So when you went into it and you stepped into that mindset, I'm not becoming Miss Oklahoma City now. I'm becoming Miss Oklahoma. That's my mindset. What did you have to say no to that you didn't expect going in that ended up maybe at different points, it just kind of pinged you or it was weighing on you or it's like, I feel this as a sacrifice. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I think that the typical idea of sacrifice for maybe somebody my age or someone with mm -hmm. my, I don't know how to describe it. The typical idea of sacrifice is not something that I buy into, if you will. Um, hmm. I relish in waking up on a Saturday morning to volunteer with the disabled community. It's not a sacrifice. When did when did you start doing that? When I was 13. And that was just normal for you? That was a weekend activity for me. Hmm. <laughs> um, and I think, again, I do think it goes back to my faith. Mm -hmm. I do think it goes back to my family upbringing. I do think it yeah. goes back to my priorities in life. And sacrificing a Friday night at home to watch Netflix and instead going to be involved in my community is not a sacrifice to mm -hmm. me. And the only time that it does become a sacrifice is 
when I'm not physically or mentally healthy and need that time to be home, to wash my hair, to do my Mm -hmm. laundry, whatever it is, that's the only time that it is a true sacrifice when it's having a negative impact on myself and my effectiveness. And I don't know. I don't look at being involved and being impactful as a sacrifice. Okay. So I want to, I want to dig into this idea just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Miss America's big focus, if you had like the mission statement, what is it again? Miss America is preparing great women for the world and the Mm. world for great women. Okay. So that idea of preparing great women for the world, part of that process, because I I grew up and I just thought that this was just a beauty pageant. Mm Mm-hmm. That's just kind of what what you grow up with when you, you know, see the Miss America pageant when you're like 10, right? <laughs> like, okay, it's a beauty pageant. There's more to it, though. And that's like, part of it is you have a platform. Mm-hmm. And the platform is based on character. Mm. Depends on who you talk to. Okay. Depends on who you talk to. What was your platform? So my social impact initiative is kind of what they call it specifically. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of coined it inclusion for all abilities. Okay making sure that all abilities have opportunities in education, employment, and social engagement. Okay, so within that, you're going to communicate to a vast number of audiences. Is that fair? That's the whole point of it. That's the whole point. And so on any given day, you might speak to how many different audiences in a day? I mean, especially when I was traveling on my speaking tours, Miss Oklahoma, I would be at a breakfast at 7.30 speaking Mm -hmm. to a rotary or a summit club type group that was meeting before they all went to work. And then I would have a school assembly in the morning at a school. And then I would go and speak at a luncheon. Mm. And then I would go to another assembly in the afternoon for school. And then I would be at a sponsor dinner that night for someone who was donating money to the Miss Oklahoma Scholarship Organization. And then after the dinner, I would be going and emceeing a gala. And then I'm home that night. (laughs) And then you wake up the next day and do it all again. And then I wake up and do it all again. Right. So like... (laughs) For a lot of people, they're going to have a presentation that's going to feel really big. You're you're in that mode all the time. And so what, what I'm curious is like, there is a point in it where, you know, you're, you're impacted by driving miles. Mm-hmm. You're impacted by sleep or lack of sleep. Or lack of sleep. <laughs> like in those moments, did you get weary in it? Or was it just like, you know what, this is, this is all worth it because these are my values. This is what I care about. And I don't have off days. I definitely have off days. Okay. I definitely have off days. My mom will tell you that. Yeah. (laughs) Cause she gets the phone calls after I've left an assembly and I say, mom, no one listened to me. No one cared. Yeah. Why did I even show up? And it definitely takes the sounding board of someone else to remind you sometimes. And an off day for me definitely looks different than an off day for somebody else mm-hmm. because I'm still showing up <laughs> regardless of right. if it's an off day. I'm still showing up. I'm still giving the same presentation. It just gives me a different level of gratification at the end. Mm-hmm. When I go to a business and I'm speaking to them about the importance of inclusive employment yeah. and talking to them about the impact that having a job has had on my sister – And I think, man, all of these business people Mm -hmm. don't believe in this because it's expensive in their mind. It's just, you know, unrealistic to them. And I leave or I start to leave thinking I'm a little defeated. This isn't going to make an impact. And someone pulls me aside and says, I just found out that my son has autism and 
I was so excited to hear you speak today because mm-hmm. I worry about him having a job. Those are the types of moments where it's all of a sudden completely worth it. Because even if I didn't mm-hmm. change anybody's mind, I made somebody feel heard. I made somebody recognize that mm-hmm. other people care about the things that they care about. Yeah. And that they have a face and a voice outside of their own. Which means that like the fight is still worth it. The fight is always worth it. The fight is always worth it. <laughs> and probably, I probably take that stance a little too often. <laughs> mm-hmm. The fight is always worth it because I get really aggressive sometimes about okay. this idea. And it was actually something that I got asked about in my Miss Oklahoma interview when I won. There was a man on the panel that asked hmm. me, to make a case yeah. for his small accounting firm to be open to hiring someone with different types of abilities, who's mm-hmm. maybe neurodiverse or has a different physical ability. And <laughs> I kind of, looking back at the video, because they videotape all of them, I looked back and I said, oh my gosh, Ashley, that was so embarrassing. Why did you do that? Because I got really mm-hmm. sassy, did yeah. a little neck roll, and said, I don't think that a case needs to be made for people in your community to be included. Why do you want to exclude people? Hmm. Any response? No one ever has an answer for that. Yeah, it's a tough thing to answer. Taylor, any response? Nothing that comes to mind. I don't have anything <laughs> either on that. And that's... You know, of course, we get into the weeds about mm-hmm. budgets and money and whether or not things are actually realistic mm-hmm. and fair and equal, equal. But when it comes to opportunity and it comes to accessibility mm-hmm. of things that are already in place and we're mm-hmm. just crappy people sometimes, yeah. I don't accept it. And I don't think other people should accept it either. And in the case that people just haven't thought about it before, mm-hmm. I'm willing to say, hey, maybe we should be more inclusive and it's not a bad thing to have not been if Mm -hmm. you're just unaware but um when you become aware and you're all of a sudden okay with other people yeah feeling excluded that's just not all right when you think about the shift that you had to get to go through i don't think anybody can live that life that schedule that consistency that many days and not experiencing it not experience a type of transformation in the process I think about it like, like this, Ashley, and, and I share this with uh, with our team. I share this with, with anybody that we're doing uh, coaching or development with. A lot of times what we do is we're testing people's capacity. Like if if you think that this is your capacity, if we don't stretch you out a little bit, like we don't know what your capacity is until we find it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying let's start by putting all of, you know, if, if somebody's um, at the squat rack, I'm not saying let's start with, 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 with put 500. Put, I'm say, not put, saying put that. Three, four, 500 on them. Okay, perfect. We'll do that with, <laughs> with Ashley. I'm not going to start there, right? But what we're going to do is we're, we're, we're going to start here and then we're going to build up and we're going to find out what your capacity is. We're going to have a spotter there, but we're going to find out what your capacity is because until we get you there, we don't actually know what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, like, how did, how, what what did you learn about your own capacity um, and how has that maybe stretched that for what's ahead as you're looking at carrying more influence? To be honest with you, I don't know that anything has taught me about my capacity more than my sophomore year of high school Ooh. or my sophomore year of college. Okay. The experience of being Miss Oklahoma, again, was something I had prepared myself for years ago. And... Mm had stretched myself. My Google calendar has looked like Joseph's Technicolor dream coat since 
<laughs> since I early on in it. college. It's really, I'll show it to yeah. you. Really? Yeah, let's see You want see to see it? it? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> We're going to go back to a speed round in just a moment. <laughs> it is, um, it's nice. And, I mean. <laughs> That's, uh. There's a lot of there's a lot of activity. That's in a month. This is a month. And then this is the next month. And then this is the next month. And this is December and I finally get a vacation. <laughs> yeah. So I've been at capacity. Okay. <laughs> My sophomore year of high school was um an early on humbling, if you will, because mm -hmm. I had joined Every student organization I could think about, I had created a student organization. Yeah. I was in the marching band. I was in the choir. I was in the leadership at my church. Like, I was doing everything. And I, like, physically and mentally broke. Like, just couldn't couldn't do it. My grades suffered. My personal life suffered. Everything was terrible. And my mom said, okay, no, you've got to drop something and that was kind of the first time that I realized I had a capacity because mm -hmm. I thought if I just keep saying yes to things, I'm always going to have something to do and I'm always going to have someone to hang out with and I'm always going to be doing something fun. Then the next time I learned truly about capacity was my sophomore year of college. I was at OCU. I was doing fun things and... Um, my sister Danielle had been sick for a little while. She It mm. seemed like she had mono. And she called me one day as I was leaving class and said, hey, Ashley. I was like, hey, what's up? She says, well, um, mom and I are headed to the hospital. And I just wanted to know if you wanted to meet us there. Hmm. And I was like, what in the world, Danielle? This is my sister with Down syndrome. Yeah. Like, Danielle, why are, what are you going to the hospital for? And she's like, I don't really know. Mom says we're going. And then I hear mom in the background, Danielle, who are you on the phone with? Get off the phone. We got to go now. <laughs> yeah. And so I went about my night because I didn't think it was anything serious. And I got to the hospital later that night after doing all my class and rehearsal and all this other stuff and um, met my mom in the lobby of the hospital. And she said, you know, honey, it is cancer. She has cancer and she's an organ oh failure goodness. and it's not mono. She hmm. is really sick. Wow. And luckily she was only like 10 minutes away from my university. Yeah. But that meant I was like superhero sister because I was any moment that I wasn't in class, I was at the hospital. Yeah. And that wasn't the case for my other siblings because they went to different universities. Mm -hmm. And obviously I just have a really special bond with my sister and that sort of thing. Yeah. But that was the only, <laughs> the only semester I ever failed a class because I, I learned my capacity and I learned mm. that I couldn't, couldn't be everything and everybody at yeah. once. And that sometimes extenuating circumstances take away from the capacity that you want to be at and the things you want to be mm. doing. But that's just kind of how things roll. And ever since then, I've learned and I know when my breaking point is coming, when I yeah. need to say no to things, what my true priorities are in life and how I want to spend my time. And now I have Google Calendar <laughs> and now I have yeah, a rainbow of a Google yeah. Calendar. You know, that's, it, I'm, I'm thankful you share that because when you go through something as significant as that, it resets what, it, it resets how you view life mm -hmm. and it resets what's important to you. Mm -hmm. 
we're going to jump in on the second part of this into, I, I, w- I want to talk around leadership and boundaries. I want to talk around um, leadership and, and just the, the idea of, of influence and influencer. Mm. So let, let's do that. But before we go there, let's go ahead and we're going to jump into a speed round. Speed round. Beow. Are you ready? Beow, 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 beow. That's actually pretty close, right? That's perfect, yeah. Okay. Maybe we could get Ashley to do our jingle yeah, going we forward. That we could just use that. Yeah, that is great. I have recorded jingles before. Okay, so I let's, have. let's begin. Call me. Let's go with favorite musician right now. Favorite Taylor Swift, Midnight's album, Eras Tour. You joking? Favorite. Favorite snack food. Favorite snack food, pretzels. Favorite healthy food. No. Favorite cheat meal? Olive Garden fettuccine Alfredo with chicken. Whoa. Currently. Specific. Favorite workout? Boxing, kickboxing. Terrifying. Meet you outside. I'm okay. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Black. Or a soy latte. Favorite place to get coffee? Not your average Joe in Midtown or Starbucks. Slightly different coffees. <laughs> Favorite TV show? Like all time or currently? All time. Mm. Scandal. Currently? Love's Blind. Love's Blind. <laughs> if you could have anyone play you in a movie, who would it be? It would be Zendaya. Great choice. Favorite movie with Zendaya in it? I have never watched a Zendaya movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. I have seen Greatest Showman. I was like, man, Greatest I've Showman. I've seen Greatest yeah. Showman, but I've never seen any, like I haven't seen Euphoria. I haven't seen any of the Spider-Man movies. Describe performing with Michael Buble in three words. <sighs> Epic. Hilarious. Oh, Sweaty? He was sweaty. He was sweaty. Okay, he yeah. He was sweaty. I, well, that is something that we didn't know about Michael Buble until right now. And is he that had the an amazing main... spray tan. He was so tan and beautiful. Wow. <laughs> I did get a spray tan once, Taylor. How'd I go? I went to At the Beach and it wasn't amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> Since then, I haven't even tried. We were like, oh, man. I... <laughs> I'd pay so much money to see <laughs> One of my friends who was before his wedding, he's like, man, you look great. You look really tan. And I was like, yeah, dude, you can you can get one of these, too. And like three days later, mine was basically gone, except for a few splotches. Yep. So it was fantastic. OK, so let's... you don't know spray tan maintenance. <laughs> you don't know spray tan maintenance. I d- yeah, I did. That's OK. That's yeah. OK. Kind of like back in the day, I went platinum blonde and <laughs> and then I went swimming an hour later. And it completely stripped all all of the work that we had just done. Didn't know. Went back the next day. They fixed it. (laughs) We're going to jump into the second (laughs) half of the interview now. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor's never roasted me in here. I love it. We we had brunch today and now like he comes in swinging. All right. I love it. That was not enough questions. That was like five questions. (laughs) All right. We are... We can edit it. Let me give you a couple more questions in. Okay. 
All right. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers? Neither. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Power Rangers. No, I like <laughs> you said neither. I can't I, like I can't work with that. Like if you would have been like Pink Ranger, I would have been like, OK, like we could play. But, you know. All right. Um, you, do you watch New Girl? Yeah. OK. Uh, favorite character in New Girl? Probably Schmidt. Yep. But I'm a CC. You're a CC. I'm a CC. The Officer Parks and Rec. I probably The Office because I've never watched Parks and Rec. Oh. And I've only seen a handful of episodes of The Office. Okay. All right, we'll have to come back on the speed round later on. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's jump back in and let's you and me talk about that part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to talk about the idea of boundaries and leadership and influence. If you want to carry influence, if you want to steward influence, what does that look like from boundaries? Hmm. For myself, like my boundaries mm -hmm. or understanding other people's boundaries? I'd say both, but let's start with, with yours. I am very set on my personal boundaries mm -hmm. and my professional boundaries. Yeah. I have learned what works for me and what matters to me the most. So going into like interviews for mm -hmm. new jobs, I know what's important to me and I know to be able to say to them, these are the things yeah. that matter the most. And if you do not meet them as an employer or you're not allowing me to meet these expectations for myself as an employee, those are boundaries that are not going to fit together. And um, I've learned how to say no a lot. What was the evolution of that for you? Like, was that like you just your entire life, you've had a really good idea of that? Or has that been something that you've had to work at? Because as your influence grows, the sometimes what what people might call demand mm -hmm. or the invites, those grow as well. And so, like, how do you stay focused? I don't want to say necessarily in perfect balance. I think balance can be a little overrated, but often there is a tension to it uh, and you're living between tensions. I think that, I think that with boundary setting, mm -hmm. again, I learned early in my young adult life yeah. the things that were important to me and the things I was not willing to compromise on. And I think embracing the idea that Every experience is a learning experience, sometimes for the better and sometimes mm -hmm. for the worst, um, is is part of setting boundaries and mm -hmm. ever evolving your boundaries. For yeah. example, I am in graduate school right now mm -hmm. and I had a professor that was just, she just did not like me, like at all. And it mm -hmm. wasn't until after I had already taken the course that I realized that was the issue. It wasn't that I didn't learn the material or that I wasn't turning in good work. It was that she just did not like me. Mm -hmm. And that in this leadership program, part of learning about leadership is learning to deal with course personalities. Mm -hmm. And that that learning experience was less about the content I learned in the class and yeah. more about learning to deal with a course leader. Hmm. Okay. I want to come back to something I said. It's about like often it's not as much about balance mm -hmm. as much as it is tension mm -hmm. and working through tension, but you made a face. So I, I, I'm really curious. Tell me what, what hit you when you heard that. I don't know. I, I do think that there's such thing as balance mm -hmm. and 
when I talked with girls when I was Miss Oklahoma, when they would ask me, well, how do you balance all the things? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a family that you like to spend time with. You have a job. You have church, all these other things. How do you balance everything? Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't. (laughs) But I kind of thought about it again and said, I don't balance everything 25, 25, 25. Mm -hmm. That's what people think balance looks like. And balance shifts with the tide of your life. Mm -hmm. And balance is your 100% split in different ways at different times. Mm -hmm. So when I was preparing for the Miss America competition, so much more of my time was spent kickboxing because my team's priority was for me to look my best on national television. Right now, I'm not on national television and I eat Sonic. And I'm not, (laughs) because that's just not- I don't need a ton of Sonic, it's more Brahms. A little bit of Whataburger. A little bit here and there, sprinkled in. It's not sprinkled. It's not sprinkled. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Just like little little sprinkles of Whataburger. Just like a little bite of, you know. Just it shows up on Fridays. (laughs) Carry on. What I would have been spending 40% of my time doing and focusing on working out and, Mm -hmm. you know, eating specific things. Now I'm able to shift that focus back Mm -hmm. to school or back to work, back to my family time, back Mm -hmm. to whatever else. Instead of only worrying about my family 10% of the time, I'm able to give them back my 25 or, you know, so on and so forth. Where I do believe there is balance. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the tension is the tension of the tide Mm -hmm. of your life. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I I often think of it as resistant resistance bands that may be pulling from different directions. Okay. And so, like, how do you stay consistent with where you are so that you're not just as it's being as you're being pulled? Because sometimes there is a higher level of resistance where it's like, hey, or a higher level of tension. We need you to be over here all the time. It's like I can't give you all of that. Mm-hmm. There is a tension to it, and and I need to manage that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to honor this, but you don't get everything. You get part of this. And sometimes in a season, that's more. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is a 60%. Sometimes that is a 70%. Sometimes that's a lot of focus there. But I think like as people's leadership grows and as uh, more things come into your life, uh, wherever you are, you have to to continue to evaluate what what are the new tensions that I Mm -hmm. have to face and how do I manage those at this time? I saw a post the other day that said, on the days that you only have 40% to give and you give 40%, you actually gave 100% Hmm. because that's all you could give. That's good. And I've had to really evaluate the days that I think that, is it even gonna be worth showing up because I only, Mm -hmm. all I can do is just show up today. Mm -hmm. And yes, that is enough. Yeah, that's so good, Ashley, because there there is an idea sometimes in our mind. And a lot of times where, where leaders end up in a world of trouble and often burn out. Mm. they carry the weight of, I need to be at a 10. And if you if you walk in at a three, the jump to 10 isn't realistic. The jump to six, that step, you might be able to get to a six. You might, you might not be able to. But I can sometimes take a smaller step where if I'm always trying to like cover a ton of ground, I'm going to end up stretched so thin <laughs> And I'm going to end up often um, collapsing under the weight of that. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about influence today, one of the things that people quickly talk about is influencer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you've, 
you've been in that world. Uh, how do you think about influence as an influencer? I don't consider myself a typical influencer, okay. mostly just because people who have built up these large brands sure. of themselves on different social media sites truly have built that. Mm -hmm. And when I became an influencer, it was something I inherited mm -hmm. instead of something that I had built. And I was not prepared for that. <laughs> I was not prepared for that at all. Hmm. I think I had been posting on my own personal social media maybe like once every six weeks before I got that social media platform as Miss Oklahoma. And I was not prepared for 30,000 people to then all of a sudden <laughs> feel like they had a right to my information. Hmm. And... The other shocking thing to me that I didn't even realize yeah. when I got crowned was that there were people that were in person with me when I got crowned hmm. that would follow me on Instagram the entire year of Miss Oklahoma that then would show up again when I gave up my crown and that the only perception of how I did or the impact I made, the influence I had would be from Instagram. Hmm. They would not be with me at my school assemblies. They would mm -hmm. not see the dollars that I raised. Yeah, They would not hear me sing. They would not hear or see or do anything with me the entire year. And that's why the influencer pressure is so insurmountable sometimes. Hmm. Because most of the time, these large influencers don't meet the people that they interact with but they become part of their world on the inside of their homes. And hmm. it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure for someone who's not prepared for that or someone who yeah. isn't handling that well. What does that pressure look like? I think internally, mm -hmm. it it's kind of, for me, that pressure is sometimes paralyzing. Mm -hmm. I would call my mom and say, mom, I can't even leave the house today. Like people are going to know who I am and I can't be who they want me to be. Hmm. And it took a while after I got crowned at first to realize that I got crowned being myself. I just need to be myself. Hmm. And the people on Instagram don't know what they want because they don't know who I am and they don't know what they want me to be. They just want to meet me and they just want to hear about the things that I'm doing and that sort of thing, if that makes any sense. It does. When you think about the other side of it, when you got to step away from it, mm -hmm. was that challenging? No. <laughs> okay. I was, as I said, before being Miss Oklahoma, was already doing all the work. I was already speaking. Mm -hmm. I was already advocating, yeah, et cetera. And so the things that I got from becoming Miss Oklahoma were more opportunities, yes. Mm -hmm. Scholarship dollars, yes. But a lot of opinions. A lot of opinions. Tell me more. <laughs> so the person of Miss Oklahoma is the face and Miss Oklahoma is also a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. that has a board of directors, a group of volunteers. And as the face, you don't represent yourself, even though your name is connected to Miss Oklahoma. Yeah. It's not Ashley Robinson, Miss Oklahoma. It's 
Ashley Robinson and these 15 people (laughs) that Mm -hmm. are creating Ashley Robinson. And I like myself enough to not need other people to create me. So when you stepped out of it, there was actually a relief. Yes. Because you get to just be you and not carry the perception of it. Yes. It's interesting you say that because there, within the, the world of social media, I don't have to tell you this, but even when people build um, sometimes a, a large following, there can be uh, one of the most common things that's talked about in our generation is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And often that's because we've created a narrative that people follow that narrative. And so we keep showing up as that person, even if that's not our whole self. Hmm. And so what, what often happens for people is they'll have a massive following Mm -hmm. and their emotional health and their mental health can, it it, it can be compromised Mm -hmm. because it's one, it gets really overwhelming. I don't know if any of us were designed to have that many people looking at us, but the other side is it's kind of like, well, I've created this image, which is the image you know me as, and so I have to continue to be that and to build that and to even communicate as that, even though it's really like a one-sided monologue. Yes. Comments don't really create like a true dialogue. Right. So. So I had an interaction with a person recently that I showed up to an event that I had been booked for and I walked in and someone said, hi, Ashley, it's so good to see you. And I looked around to try and see the person that I was supposed to know. (laughs) And I didn't see anyone that I was supposed to know. And I, you know, of course, after doing this long enough, Mm -hmm. you have these interactions. And so you say, I'm so glad to be here today, too. It's so good to see all of you. You know, that sort of thing to ease the tension, if you will. Yeah. And we got to the very end of that day. It was a full day event. Mm -hmm. And the person finally said to me, it's so nice to finally meet you in person after following you on social media for two years. Oh man. And I have no problem with meeting followers, meeting fans. Even I have no problem with that. I think that social media has given us the excuse to forget how to interact socially (laughs) because Mm, we interact on social media, but Mm -hmm. not in person. And feeling super close to people on social media Mm -hmm. is not always, like you said, a two-way street. And um, it takes the extra step of either the person who is being told they're being recognized to understand that they're just going to be things like that. And it's important to be graceful through all of it. That way people don't get their feelings hurt and et cetera, Mm. especially if you want to keep that following up. Yeah. But on the other hand, sometimes people forget that they don't see one person liking every single one of their pictures, especially if they're Mm -hmm. getting 500, 2000 likes on all their pictures, they're not going to go through every single like. So they don't see necessarily the same person over and over and over again. And it's, it's kind of isolating in some ways. Hmm. Leadership can be isolating. Yeah. And the experiences of being in Miss Oklahoma, being all of these things can leave you feeling so isolated that you don't feel as if anyone will ever be able to understand your experiences anymore, even the other Miss Oklahomas, because everything has changed so much over the years, Mm -hmm. where you say to yourself, no one's ever felt this way, no one will feel this way, 
no one understands. And it's this pit of despair. And it's in sharing your experiences, sharing other people's experiences than with you, that you understand that everyone's experiences and everything are going to be different. And sharing in general is what helps you feel connected instead of isolated. Yes, it's that. And then one thing that that I found as well is the importance of continuing forward in life. Because sometimes when we experience something as profound, and I haven't experienced that, but when we've experienced something really profound in our own lives, when we when we say, okay, like for this period of time, and that's a unique window where for a year, you're essentially in a glass house. Mm. And then you're not in a glass house, but there's still like the 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 residue of it, or there's the um, the residual effect where you walk into a room and somebody's like, "Oh yeah, I've been following you." You're like, "Oh yeah, you didn't know who I was nice until I was you. there, but now like you follow me like there, but also probably on on your personal account as yeah. well, right?" So you have those carryovers as well in it, but there's there's something that. I really believe for leaders, because one of the things that that we say often is leadership is isolating. And I agree, especially if we choose that for our future, because hmm. so many leaders say leadership is lonely. Yes, it is lonely. There is a loneliness to it. And sometimes there's a chosen loneliness to it because hmm. we stay in that narrative of where we were and what you just said. I love it because it's the experiences of the future that end up connecting us. It's when we say, okay, I've experienced this and maybe some people actually don't understand that. But if I only say that that's like the mountain that, that I've climbed, I need to find a bigger mountain and some other people to climb it with me. Because otherwise, like I'm always going to be isolated to this experience in my life. And so I love how, how you brought that up because it is experiences. Those experiences end up connecting us. They bond us and it goes, oh yeah, me too. I, I haven't experienced that, but let me let you in into this side. And, you know, maybe it's not the identical thing, but we end up being able to build those relationships, which is really important because influence, great influence only happens authentically. Great influence only happens authentically. That, True. That's what I would say. Yes. I think that's part of what does make my experience as Miss Oklahoma so influential is mm-hmm. because you've talked about whether or not going into a room is exhausting sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that feeling like you have to show up mm-hmm. and be this person um, is exhausting. And it can be on very, very specific days. Yeah. But the days that I recognize that when I am my most authentic self, I am excelling mm. because pretending to be something else, pretending to do something else is never going to be my best. Yeah. And leaning into my authenticity um, is often what propels me forward. And so going... Oh, yeah, that's good. Keep going. <laughs> going from day to day to day yeah. and thing to thing to thing, as long as I'm showing up as myself, I'm... Yeah. And I have the benefit of that job specifically being about... sharing my stories. So Mm -hmm. I would just go into schools, go into businesses, Mm -hmm. talk about the stories of myself and my sister and get to get to be a storyteller and get to share about my experiences. And that be my job is definitely a lot different Mm -hmm. than having to come up with sales quotas and things like that, that other, other people have to do, but doing those things and being myself is what created my excellence. Yes. Okay. So that right there, if we're going to steward influence over a long period of time, 
boom, just bam, hit, hit the mic. If we're going to steward influence over a long period of time, how do you continue to press into authenticity as the bar of excellence goes up? Mm. Well, it depends on who's putting the bar of excellence mm. upon you. Yeah. Because if it's yourself, I'm never going to have a hard time leaning into my own authenticity, my own excellence. Mm -hmm. That's always going to be something I'm comfortable yeah. in because I'm comfortable in myself. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't always, yeah. I wasn't always, not everyone can always be. And I think in a different setting, in a different world, I might be uncomfortable yeah. in who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, but I think continuing on with other people and the expectations around me, yeah. um, that puts a little bit different context yeah. into what excellence looks like. Mm -hmm. And there's always the pressure of, oh, what's the next thing you're going to do? What's the next goal you're going to achieve? Enneagram three, like what, what am I going to get what's at next? next? What's yeah. next? And I even was talking the other day with one of my friends saying, I feel like I'm worried about making a single employment commitment because mm -hmm. I have all of these things that I'm doing. I worry about making mm -hmm. a single employment yeah. commitment because I'm afraid it's not going to be impressive enough. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be doing what one person wants me to do. Should I go back to teaching full time? Mm -hmm. Are people going to think that's lame? You know, like all these oh, yeah. other things. And um, that when I drop all of those worldly expectations and go back to my purpose and my own mm -hmm. self, then I don't have to worry about other people's expectations. Yeah. So it's going back in to the idea of what's my purpose. Mm -hmm. What are the expectations for my own life? And, and for you, you've already shared, like you have um, expectations that are built around your worldview, around your faith, um, around where you want to go. Ashley, it makes me think about a quote I heard once. This is somebody was talking to a room of us and they said, yeah, getting up and doing that next thing when you're really tired, it's hard. And sitting by yourself, <laughs> at your grand grandparents' house downstairs eating Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew day after day, that's hard. That's isolating. Mm -hmm. Choose your hard. And I, I think sometimes we have this idea today that life isn't hard and that we can just kind of create this world for us that's just an oasis. But the things in life that really do count, it's when you showed up, when you didn't feel like showing up. Because so many times, at least in my experience, it was when I showed up, when I didn't feel like showing up at that time, and I kept bringing my best, whatever that was, maybe that was a four, and I couldn't get you a, a 10, but I could show up as that. Often that's where the most impactful moment happened. And many times when I showed up and I felt like I was at a 10, it was, it was fine. Things went, oh... Things went okay for for me. That's one of the times when I think back to what um, what Paul said. He's like, um, Jesus said to Paul, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." He's like, "I'm great with you being weak. I just want you to show up. Because if you show up as you are, I'll show off. But if you try to like bridge that gap on your own, like it's it's gonna hurt you long term. Yeah, we're all gonna be stumbling over ourselves if we're just continuing yeah. to try and." Show off. Yeah. Okay. So let's say that somebody is saying, Ashley, what you're saying to me is really impacting me. I love it. What do I do? Because I don't necessarily have my thing yet. Mm. You know, like you had your, your, like these things, you already had it. You've been doing it. You've been volunteering on, on the Saturdays. The minute my sister was born, I had my thing. Oh, beautiful. 
I had my thing. So not everyone has a sister. <laughs> right. But and I did I did a presentation at Oklahoma City Community mm. College one time and talked about overcoming obstacles and finding passion and hope mm-hmm. through your day-to-day life. And mm. one of the things that I talked about was when I think about things outside of just Danielle that yeah. make me passionate, that give me my purpose, the things that I say to myself are what gets me out of bed in the morning, truly, because mm-hmm. that bed's cozy. And yep. what makes me absolutely enraged? Hmm. What enrages me? What gets me out of bed? Because it can be good things that get you out of bed. Um, hmm. But then there are other things that just burn in, yeah. in the heart and in the soul. Yes. And that's part of what led me into education. Mm. I was experiencing things as a young adult woman of color that enraged me. Mm. And I thought about my younger self and I thought about the leader that I needed when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And there I went. And so the person listening that's saying to themselves, what am I supposed to be doing? What, where is my influence supposed Mm -hmm. to be? I say to them, what gets you out of the bed in the morning? Mm-hmm. If it's your job because it's just going to make you money, why do you need that money? What What is it that yeah. you need the money for? Is it your family? Mm-hmm. Is it, what is it? Think about what yeah. it is and the things in the world that enrage you. Um, mm-hmm. The things that you see on the news that make your blood just boil and burn mm-hmm. or the things that give you unspeakable joy. Yeah. Unspeakable joy. Hey, that is actually where I think we should we should land the plane today because if we start focusing on the things that get us up get us up out of bed. And I got to say this, if you're feeling weary in the winter months cuz that can happen to a lot of people. I know last year I went through a very difficult time. I was I was exhausted. I think my mental health was the it, it was the worst it had ever been. And I had a hard time getting going. But I I want to encourage you. Sometimes what happens to us, and I'm not I'm not a therapist, so I'm not giving like a across the board um prognosis. What I'm saying is sometimes, and I know this happened to, to me, there was too much Netflix and too much junk food. And what I needed to do was scrape off some of the veneer and get down to what actually gets me up out of bed. Because I know that when I do that, like it's about people. And you want to make an impact and you want and, and, and sometimes you're going to go through a difficult time. Just know if you are in that space, like reach out, whether that's directly to us, we'll cheer you on. Uh, we'll we will encourage you in that um, in that quest for uh, a, a more meaningful life. But it may be reaching out to someone close to you, but finding that thing that actually it, it burns on the inside. Because when you do that, you have something bigger than yourself to live for. It's not just about you, and it's creating an impact. And I found that when we do that, there's a beautiful influence that that happens. Ashley Robinson, thank you <laughs> for sharing so authentically about your own journey, about the highs, the lows, how you... Um, I, I think one of the most impressive things is that you don't take anybody else's narrative. You're really living your own story. You're living what's what you're experiencing as true and walking out that experience. That's a lot of people in doing leadership things can end up playing off of a playbook. 
and you're not doing that. You're choosing your own story, your own narrative. Um, and I, I found this just incredibly profound. So thank you for sitting down today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Leader Growth Podcast. Looking forward to being back here with you again soon. Until then, love hard, live full, lead strong. This is the anthem, our declaration. We are locked in, all in and full out. We are the roar. You think you can run with us? Let's go. I get lying in my blood. You would just.